today on Radio Italiana. Italians come to America. Columbus, was he a villain or a hero? Plus, Italian news, food, music, and events. Coming right up on the Italian radio show. Alla più piano e nessuno sentirà Il nostro amore lo viviamo io e te Nessuno sa la verità Nel cielo che ci guarda da Insieme a te io resterò Amore mio, sempre così Alla più piano e vieni più vicino a me Io sentirei a chi tu and welcome to the West Coast Italian Radio, bringing you the Italian radio show here on the ABC News and Talk Radio Network out of sunny Palm Springs. I'm your host, Tony Lestella, with the lovely, the gorgeous, the beautiful, she never introduces me this way, Marcia Caputo! I can do it, come on, hello, ciao a tutti, hey, how you doing, Tony? I'm doing great, March, say you were there, you have your beautiful Vincenzi behind mm-hmm. you up in northern Italy, between, uh, between Milan and Venice, we're going to talk about Venice here in a couple of minutes, but first we're going to tell folks, you're listening, if you're listening to us live today in the Palm Springs or Southern California area, we're broadcasting off 1490 AM, or you might be hearing us on 98.1 FM, but we're, we're with KMET, the ABC News and Talk station down there, or you might be picking us up from around the country. We have many wonderful affiliate stations, both ABC and non-ABC affiliates. And, of course, you can always stream our show by going to our website, at WCIR.biz. Just remember the acronym for West Coast Italian Radio. WCIR.biz. There's a link there at the top of the page where you can stream today's show, or you can hear any of our shows over the last six or seven years in our archives there. You see the little button take you right to our podcast. All the shows are up in archive, and as soon as we're done with today's show, this will go right in archive, too. So please share with all your friends and your family, and listen time and again as much as you want, because we love our listeners. So, Marcy, what's new? Everything's good. I'm happy. I'm right here with you, so nothing's new. I'm here. Well, you know, we have a very interesting show today. Our theme of today's show is Italians Come to America. And this is about the Columbus controversy. We've heard all this controversy from all around the country, what's going on now with the memory of, of Columbus, with the monuments of Columbus. We're going to talk a lot more of that with some special guests as we move forward. But first of all, we start all of our shows, as we do every single week, with Italian news. And sometimes, let me tell you, folks, when it comes to Italian news, the facts are stranger than the fiction. Um, which is not always the case, but quite frequently the case. Today we have one of our great news correspondents. She covers news for us both uh, across the country, Italian-American news, and also around the world, including news out of Italy. None other but Janice Mancuso, our correspondent from New York City. Janice, how you doing? I'm okay. Thank you. How's everybody there? Fantastic. So uh, how is New York these days? Nice and warm? Sometimes it's warm. We had a heat wave, but now it's kind of cool, so that that's nice. 
All right, Janice. Well, I know we have some great stories you put together for us. Let's talk about your first one here. And that is, I understand, uh, this should be something near and dear to you, Marcia, that Mm. the city of Venice is celebrating its 1600th, that's 1600, been around for 16 centuries, its 1600th anniversary. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, the, the date was March 25th when they say, when legend says that it started with the uh, cornerstone laid for the uh, San Giacomo di Rialto Church, but the issue is that the church was not actually uh, built until the 11th century. There's no documentation before that, but uh, it's a legend, and uh, there are a couple of other um, I guess sources that dispute that date, uh, one of them especially because Venice was started by refugees which were fleeing from uh, nomadic tribes and until the Hun invaded Rome around 450. So one source, you know, notes that the refugees would not be building a church in 421 if they were fleeing, you know, from the nomadic tribes. And then there's another, uh, a source that, uh, cites 568 as when the Lombards invaded Italy and refugees were still continuing to, um, you know, go to the, the, the islands in the lagoon for safety because they were difficult to navigate. The, the refugees, the people who lived in that area knew where to go, but obviously the, um, the invaders d- didn't know how to navigate through all the, the marshes and everything. So basically the, 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 the uh, city of Venice was, uh, started by people who were fleeing uh, tyranny, flee- fleeing from other places, from refugees there, uh, and uh, you know, but then later became, of course, part of Italy when Italy uh, was organized. But I remember even in history, going back centuries and centuries, uh, even in Shakespeare, there's the Merchant of Venice. So Venice has been with us for a long time, uh, far preceding Italy. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, well, what happened was that they started, they, they kind of congregated on an, an island called Tocello, which is about five miles northeast of actually Venice. And if you look at a map of Venice, you'll see the Adriatic Sea, and then there's the two barrier islands. The passage between that, then there's all the islands in between, which say, some people say from 119 to 124, as you, you know, various accounts, but that big cluster in the center, that's actually Venice. And when the first, and because, well, let me just go back, when, because Venice was so isolated, it became very independent. And they eventually uh, elected their own leader who moved from Torcello to the historic center of Venice, which is that, you know, the big cluster of islands there. And that's when they started to really uh, prosper. Uh, merchants came, businesses opened, and then uh, the relics of St. Mark were brought there to the, the Doge and uh, started building uh, the, the Basilica of St. Mark. So the, yeah, she has the, the relics of St. Mark's are there in that Basilica. Yes. That's really something. That's really so. Uh, is, yeah. I, I imagine that they had quite a party. Uh, knowing how I, I, I've been in Venice before when they've had their various celebrations, and boy, they party down there like we party in New Orleans at Mardi Gras. They really know how to party. No, people know how to yeah. do it. I'm kidding. <laughs> Just the Italian people know how to do that. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, I would say Venice was a party town. There was a lot, a lot of activity there. In fact, you know, it became a republic, and it was just and, and for for three almost three centuries, it pretty much ruled because it had a uh, tremendous shipbuilding production facility where it built commercial and also military ships. Right. And it just wow. kept on going. Yeah, it was until uh, Napoleon finally invaded. Someone got through in 1797, and the the Doge abdicated. And um, that's when Venice lost its independence, but and became under Austrian rule for right. twice, gained its independence for a couple of years, and then in uh, 1866, when the Italian kingdom was forming, it agreed to be part of the Italian kingdom. Which, by the way, this year also uh, is the 150th anniversary of the unification of Italy. Oh, there you go. Another thing that we'll have to cover. Well, but before we run out of time, let's talk about your second news story. And that is, you know, we're as you know, our show today, we're going to be talking about the whole Columbus controversy. And I understand that recently... All the Italian club presidents from around the United States got together for a meeting on this issue and how to address it. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, finally, and you know how Italians are. We're quite independent. But finally, uh, 50 of the largest groups came together, inviting other uh, groups, groups, clubs, organizations, and lodges, and turned out to be 350. This was in, uh, several months ago. And the, the three issues that they were looking at was fragmented Italian America, how to connect to the younger generation, and the fight for Columbus. So those are the issues that they're based, based on, and they've developed committees. So specifically on the fight for Columbus, let's talk about that. We only have about a minute left. The fight for Columbus, we're talking about where uh, there are certain people who are trying to rewrite history, who are coming out with all these fictitious claims about how Columbus committed genocide against the Native Americans and how he perpetuated all these atrocities. Uh, claiming this whole, when you talk to people, they claim this is in Columbus's own diary, but of course none of them can ever present, uh, any facts, uh, or documentation on it. So, uh, this has all just basically been a big political movement without any underlying, you know, um, evidence. So how are, what, what is the well, plan I- to counter this? Well, I would say, I, I just want to backtrack. I would say it's an educational and political movement. That's fine. Because yeah, a lot yeah. of this is based on a book, you know, mm-hmm. where people are being educated incorrectly right. with this information. And that's so so what, are, what, what, what came out of this Italian meeting then to correct this? What are their plans well, to try to correct came, this? Well, what came out of it was that they formed committees, and now the, the committees are working on figuring out what to do. Gotcha. And that's, at this point, that's all I can tell you because I don't know, you know, what the committees are, you know, in the process of working on that. But I can tell you, and I guess, you know, the guests later on will tell you too, that Columbus Day is continuing to be taken off of school calendars. Two schools just did that and totally took, there was a, just the past week or so in New Jersey, there was a big uh, problem because they had taken Columbus Day off, replaced it with Indigenous Peoples Day, and then when they had a meeting, there was so much controversy about it that the school board decided to take every holiday off the calendar. And wow. they just put day wow. off now. Wow. Well, thanks so much, Janice. It's always a pleasure having you, you on the show. We'll make sure we get you back here soon to give us some more updates yes. and all this. Okay. Folks, you're listening to, to the, <laughs> you are listening to the <laughs> Italian radio show. 
part of the ABC News and Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors with lots more Italian radio. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In the mid-90s, I bought a piece of land with a credit card check and built the very first micro distillery in the history of the state of Texas. Cheers! 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com This is Tony LaStella with the Italian Radio Show. Every day, 20 veterans take their own lives. That's 20 too many. You need help? Want to end veteran suicide? Go to SaveVetLives.org to learn more. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. we got to pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Cicernio said. All natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast. Cicernio sausage. Visit Cicernio.com for recipes or to find the store near you. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's handmade vodka distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Folks, we're going to take a 10-second break to allow our affiliate stations across the country to give you their station identification. You're listening to West Coast Italian Radio. Broadcasting at KMET 1490 in Palm Springs, part of the ABC News and Talk Radio Network. Well, now, Marcy, of course, my favorite part of the show, we get to talk about food. Food and beverage, Italian style. And this is brought to us by our great sponsor, Tito's Handmade Vodka out of Austin, Texas. We love Tito's. They're just a great sponsor. They do so much for the Italian community and just for people across the country. They can support a lot of charitable causes. Folks, next time you want a special treat for your summer gatherings, make sure Tito's is part of it. So now you know, Marzia, since this whole show is Italian-American, it's all about how, you know, Columbus came to the country, Italians came to this country, they built up America, made it great, made it what it is today. I thought it would be very appropriate that I would be the one this week who would present a real Italian-American recipe, right? So, so what do you brought? None of this Italian stuff. Italian-American today, all right? And I know, you know, we're related, we're like cousins here, because our our cultures are still together, but they've kind of gone in, in their own directions. So spaghetti and meatballs, obviously... Uh, takes two things that I know you do in Italy, but we put them together here in America. You don't put this stuff together over there, right? So, you know, spaghetti and meatballs has been a long uh, 
standing Italian-American food tradition. Of course, it started here many, many years ago when the immigrants came over. On account of they had large families they had to feed. And back in those days when they came over, they were very poor. They had to make the food go a long way. So, you know, they would get the meatballs and make the meatballs go a long way, the spaghetti, the red sauce. And, you know, that's how, that's how it came into being. And they do it even, I saw it, because, you know, I come from Italy, they put the meatballs on, in the bread, too. I saw like a sandwich. Again, they can make meatball sandwiches, but that's for another show, okay? So <laughs> growing up, growing up as a kid, my okay. very favorite food was mm. my grandmother's spaghetti and meatballs, okay? My Italian grandmother, this is on my mother's side, she used to make this amazing difference. I remember from the time I was like three or four years old, I would wake up like at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'd, she'd already been up cooking like since 3 o'clock in the morning. You smell the sauce on the stove. You know, it's like you're going out of your mind, waiting all day so you can eat this stuff, right? right? Finally at noon, she serves it, and of course, being the true Italian tradition, you get all the family members over, you eat for about 6 or 8 hours, course after course, but man, I love that spaghetti and meatball. So before she passed away, God bless her, she taught me her secret how to make spaghetti and meatballs. Now, I have to say that my grandmother never measured an ingredient in her entire life. Well, that is an so, Italian. We uh, don't I, so I would ask her, Grandma, how much of this? <laughs> well, I put in a pinch of this. I put in a pinch of that, you know. So I've kind it's of experimented. Exactly. I've experimented over the years. So the very first thing you got to start out with, folks, is you got to start out with a good zucco, a good, you know, sauce, gravy, oh, whatever yeah. you happen to call it. But you need that good red sauce, all right? So typically, and it's very simple. You don't got to over, go overboard in this stuff. In fact, a lot of people mess it up when they try to make it with too many ingredients, make it too, you know, complicated. You basically want to brown your garlic and some good olive oil, not even the extra virgin, just some good, you know, regular olive oil. Brown your garlic. When your garlic gets a little bit brown, then what we're going to do is we're going to add some wine into it. Now, depending on whether you want a heavy sauce or a light sauce, if you want a heavy sauce, you're going to use the red wine. You want a lighter sauce, use the white wine. You put a little red pepper, a little parsley, and you kind of bring that up so it, it coagulates. It kind of, you know, comes up to a boil and it all comes together. Have maybe for, I don't know, four or five minutes, okay? Then we take these big cans of tomatoes. We open them up. We put them in the sauce there. Stir them all in. Cut them all up so that they're all stirring in. Add a little bit of salt, a little bit of basil leaf just to taste. Sometimes people say you add sugar. You only add sugar if you have, like, very acidic tomatoes, but you can add sugar. Sometimes you add a little oregano, keep it light. The bottom line is you got this great sauce, okay? Then you let that sauce simmer, and people you know, have different opinions. Some people let it simmer 30 minutes. Some people let it simmer three hours, depending upon your own family tradition there. Now, the meatballs, the meatballs are extra special, okay? And actually, my wife took this meatball recipe, and she took it to a whole nother level. So I'm gonna. T this is kind of a combination of my grandmother and my wife's meatballs. So the meatballs are basically two parts hamburger to one part sausage. You put it all in the pan. You mix it all up. You put in some parsley. You put in some basil. Uh, you want to grate some sh uh, sh shallots into it. You mix it all together in a bowl. Uh, you add it all together, and you add two eggs, uh, my wife used a little bit of kosher salt on it, and believe it or not, she uses a generous amount of ketchup, okay? And the ketchup, <laughs> I know some people will use some other ingredients or tomato, but she uses that, all right? 
After that, uh, she puts in, um, you know, a little basil. Maybe she'll, she'll add a little bit of garlic to it. Um, put it all together. And then you put in egg crumbs. I'm sorry, bread crumbs. Bread crumbs. You get it all together. You mix it all up. This is where you got to get them with your hands there, right? Mix it all together with your hands. It's more, you want it moist uh, and sticky, but you, so it sticks together, but that, so it's not like going to be like falling apart. But at the same time, you don't want it runny. We put it into, into about table size balls. You put it on a rack, stick it in the oven at bake at 375, about 30 minutes. Then it's done. You go, you, meanwhile, you're boiling your water on the stove. You got your, 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 your water with a little bit of olive oil. You drop some spaghetti in that. Remember, you got to take the spaghetti out just before it gets to be al dente. Well, it still is a little bit stiff. Then what you're going to do is you're going to add the rest of the, the, uh, the, you drain your spaghetti. You basically put the pan back on the stove, okay? Then you add your sauce into it, stir it all up. Add the meatballs into it, stir it all up. There you got spaghetti and meatballs. And at times what we do is we take a little bit of that sauce, we keep it on the side so people can serve it on the side. That's a true Italian-American recipe, spaghetti and meatballs. There you go. What do you think, Marcia? Well, I never tried. You should make for me one time. You come to my When you get back from Italy, you come to my house. I'll make it for your whole family. That'd be nice. Thank you. We will. We'll see. Then I will tell you. <laughs> so now, Marcia, since we're on such a roll, I taught you how to make spaghetti and meatballs. You know, this is a whole Italian-American show today on account of Columbus and the whole thing we're talking about. I got to teach you some real Italian American phrasology. All wow, right, such a learning phrasology. <laughs> this is stuff like if you grew up where I grew up back on the East Coast. This is stuff that everybody knows. Okay. So how you say certain things? Okay, the first one is if you go into some place that's really nice, you say, "Wow, this bar is lit." This bar is lit, which basically means that you walk into some bar. It's really cool. It's very cool. Not to be confused with wow. Johnny over here, he's really lit tonight. That means he's like, you know, had a few too many, probably going to fall over, right? So you can use it in both contexts. Can you say again? Lit? This bar is lit. Lit. Like lit up. It's lit. It's like it's cool, right? Wow. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so another one. You, you, you're upset with somebody and somebody asks you, why do you got a beef with him? How come you got a beef with him? Now, they're not talking about, like, you know, a New York strip or a piece of meat here. <laughs> They're talking about you like, you know, you have a grudge with somebody. Hey, you got a beef with this guy, okay? The beef is no grudge. Why do you use the beef words? What's I don't know. It's just, I'm just telling you. This is how it is. You got a beef with this guy, okay? okay? Okay. Why you got a beef with me? Got it. Now, a lot of times, you know, you, we, we use some slang from the old country. So you see some guy you haven't seen for a while, say, hey, que sadich. Que sadich. Which basically is your way, if you're in Brooklyn, New York, an Italian neighborhood, you see an old buddy. It's, it's like saying, how you doing? Quesadich, quesadich. Okay? I'm not quite sure where that comes from, but I know it's true. All right? Okay, I hope so. <laughs> and this one here, this was popularized on The Sopranos. We're going to be a little careful with this one on account we're on network radio here. So do you? Stugatz. Stugatz. Okay? Yeah, I know. The Sopranos, uh, Stugatz was when he was, he was insulting somebody. And it kind of refers to, without us being overly graphic, the male... Genitalia. So uh, that's what we're going to say about it. But Italian translation. Questo cazzo. Essentially, it's about if uh, you feel strongly about so. someone who's being a jerk, he's a stugatz. All right? Mm-hmm. Okay, good to know. And, of course, as our final one here, not to uh, leave the older Italian-Americans out, 
So if you have an older Italian-American, somebody who you know, came over here on the boat, they've been here a long time, they're still going to say, hey, what's the matter you? What's the matter you? Don't tell me what's the matter. No, I know these old guys. That's what the bag is. But what's the matter you? Yeah. So there you go. Those are your Italian-American phrases. I bet you feel like I've done you a great community service today. I think so. You're such a great, really great job today, Tony. It's I my pleasure. It's my pleasure. <laughs> I'm on a real roll here. So I'm going to do the artist of the week now. And again, I picked out a really great Italian-American. As you know, you know, after Columbus came over, all the other Italians followed him over here. They did great things in this country. And absolutely every, every <laughs> profession there was. And music was not to be left out. One of the greatest Italian-American singers of all time was Mario Lanza. He was my personal favorite when I was a kid growing up. Um, you know, I remember I wanted to be Mario Lanza. I loved his voice so much. And I actually got to play Mario Lanza for seven years on Broadway, toured all over the, year, uh, all over the world when we did our show Salute to Mario Lanza. Came out of Philadelphia, uh, South Philly, with it, and both of his parents were Italian immigrants moved to this country. His real name was actually Alfredo Cocoza, but he took his mother's maiden name. Oh. Her name was Maria oh. Lanza, so he took the male equivalency. He had this great career in the movies, and he made tons and tons of recordings that to this day uh, no one has been able to match these. Uh, died very, very young because he had a lot of uh, issues with his health and, and other things in his life. But he left uh, just a great catalog of music. To this day, when I play Mario Lanza recordings for people, uh, they, it, it, it blows their minds. I mean, you know, not to take away from Pavarotti, not to take away from Andre Bocelli, anybody else, but Mario Lanza was the one that inspired all of us, including them. So without further ado, a great Italian-American artist honoring Italian-Americans. Here's our mix of our Mario Lanza favorites. Well done, 
Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas. We're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. we got to pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Cicernio said. All natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast. Cicernio sausage. Visit Cicernio.com for recipes or to find a store near you. This is Tony Lastella with the Italian Radio Show. Every day, 20 veterans take their own lives. That's 20 too many. You need help? Want to end veteran suicide? Go to SaveVetLives.org to learn more. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. When I got into this business, I used to make flavored vodka infusions for my friends as gifts. When I started to make a go of it, the owner of a local liquor store showed me the dust on some flavored vodka bottles that sat on the shelves. He said, if you can make a straight vodka so smooth that you could drink it just by itself, then you'd really have something. So I did. And now all these years later, we still only make one flavor, vodka flavored vodka. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Hello, folks, and welcome back to West Coast Italian Radio, broadcasting the Italian Radio Show on the ABC News and Talk Radio Network. We have a great guest with us today, a good friend of mine from Long Island, Lou Gallo, who is one of the experts in this country on the subject of Christopher Columbus. And, you know, the interesting thing is Christopher Columbus is somebody that I know for centuries was held in great esteem by Italians and non-Italians alike for having discovered America and uh, kind of storing all the immigrants coming from Europe. A lot of the Italians took great pride in this, as did non-Italians, and suddenly were thrust in the middle of this controversy that has been going on over the last decade uh, where they're trying to recreate Columbus as a villain. Uh, is this true? Is it not true? Let's talk to the expert here. Lou, welcome to the show. Nice to have you back. Always great to be here with you and Marcia. Absolutely. Love it. So, Lou, I'm going to get right into this. You know, um, of course, there's this huge controversy that's coming across the country. We see 
Columbus monuments being torn down. We see him taken out of history books, or at least being rewritten history books. And we see the agenda the, uh, in schools across the country when they teach Columbus now. They don't refer to him as this great explorer who discovered America, but as this guy who's committed genocide against Native Americans. Where is all this coming from, and what is the validity of it? Well, it, it goes back to um, way back in 1980. That's it is a pivotal year, 1980. Two things happened. One, a book was written by Howard Zinn, uh, supposedly a historian. We in the Italian-American community and along with the American Historicals Association don't consider him a historian because he really did not follow the rules of historiography. And uh, he wrote a book called The People's History of the United States. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I taught from 1968 to, to 2001 in social studies, and I never came across this man's book. And I was a guy who was investigating in uh, textbooks. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a total rewrite of, of history. It would, made him a villain. And it when made him Columbus a villain, yeah. Columbus a villain. Yeah. And recently a book by Mary Graybar has been written called The Bunking Howard's Inn. And she points out his entire work is really all about textual corruption. And what he did was he sifted out quotes. He used ellipses. He combined quotes from different sources to create the image he wanted. And the image he created was a villainous barbarian and invader. So also basically in he did something that we've seen recently done in modern media, where he took things out of context, he took one statement here, one statement there, put them together, and he created his own narrative, basically. And then in 1980, in the American Indian Movement, led by Russell Means, made a statement publicly, and the statement was, in order for America to live, Europe must die. And soon after that, around the 1990s, Berkeley, California, was the, the city that first instituted the idea of dumping Columbus Day in favor of Indigenous Peoples now, Indigenous Peoples Day. Now, we have no, the Italian-American community has no problem with Indigenous Peoples Day. What we don't like is replacing him on that second Monday in October right. with Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah, yeah. you got 364 days, you can pick another day. We so are that, finding out, too, that a lot of politicians, a lot of elected officials have no idea that August 9th is International Indigenous Peoples Day, sponsored by the United Nations. Gotcha. Number gotcha. two, in this country, Indigenous Peoples Month is November, and when President Bush, number 43, was president, he actually commemorated the Friday after Thanksgiving as Indigenous Peoples Day. So they already have, you know, a celebration of their culture and their history. They don't need to displace uh, Columbus Day. And the only reason why they're doing it, they don't admit it. I've said it publicly right to their face, is that you want to trivialize this man, and the best way to do it is get him off the calendar. Because if he's off the calendar, nobody is going to remember his legacy or his accomplishments. So That's I guess that, really- that, that, that begs the question as to why, uh, why it, it, it are the mainstream politicians, the mainstream media, and especially especially the educators of this country, embracing and teaching this new narrative when, in fact, it has been, it's been debunked. It's been shown to be false. Why are, is everybody embracing this? Uh, because it's going to take some time to do this. I mean, I can tell you that we formed the Italian-American community as a National Save Columbus Committee 
of which I'm on the subcommittee to protect his legacy as far as his statuary, his holidays, and his legacy. And it takes it's education. It really comes down to that. Uh, I can tell you that we started a barrage of emails or contacts with some of these elected officials, and they are convinced, and we offer eclectic primary and secondary sources that demonstrate point blank that this man is not responsible for these atrocities and brutalities, and that really is the work of other people who were there when he wasn't there. He wasn't there when these brutalities and atrocities are committed. And we give him those facts, you'd be surprised how many uh, actually have turned the tide in their thinking. I can tell you, for instance, uh, being the national consultant on Columbus now, appointed by the National Order of Sons and Daughters of Italy and America, uh, I've been on Zoom meetings all over this country, Chicago, San Jose, Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore, all over. And when I bring this out, I get responses from the elected officials, particularly two Italian-Americans in uh, Chicago, how proud they are have become uh, as Italians because of the legacy of Christopher Columbus and what they heard from me. Well, this you know, that's is- interesting because don't you find that there's a lot of uh- – people that are also elected officials, as well as educators, who when you present the facts, they're very resistant to it. In fact, they're afraid that if they admit the truth, that people are going to call them racists. Exactly correct. Exactly and that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. The, the truth is still the truth. Mm. Exactly the truth. And, and what you see is they oversimplify the history. Uh, I can tell you this. They... Um, I'm trying to get a foothold in the schools. In fact, I'm on a subcommittee of the of the CSJ, the Commission for Social Justice, which is the anti-defamation arm of the Sons and Daughters of Italy in America. And we created a standalone website. It has a bevy of sources from and slideshows and videos and and written narratives from historians, from me, from lawyers, from people who are educated about Columbus. And we it's called ColumbusTheTruth.org. I say this your listeners. If you really want to know the true legacy, you go to this website. It's called ColumbusTheTruth.org and it'll take you weeks now to go through all the material and it's very positive and factual about Christopher Columbus and his legacy. So you have this all documented, in other words. Oh, it's all documented. documented. People can check the sources because the biggest thing, of course, when I talk to anybody who has this anti-Columbus rhetoric, is they're saying, well, you know, it's in Columbus's diary. He wrote it himself. You can't dispute that. And what they're actually doing is they're misquoting the diary. They've never looked at the diary. Or like you say, they're, they're, they're taking this, this guy's writings and he wrote out of context. What was his name? Gon Gen? What's that? The guy who, who, who wrote the rhetoric. Zen, Howard Zen. Zen. Taking sense thing, uh, they're taking it out of context, and they're just believing that it's the gospel truth and trying to quote it at you. You know, that's what is going on is ignorance. You don't know about history, and you don't do your own research. That's what's going on. They're just like uh, I always call it, like we call in Italy, pecore sheep. They just listen one and they just follow without doing your own research. It's so simple. Study a little bit. Try to understand exactly what's going on. If they don't, they just pick up, but they don't know. Well, because I think what happens is, as we said earlier, uh, you know, when I talk to people about this subject, and, and you know, I've had you on the show before, Alou, uh, and I've said to the, some of the things that you say, and they're so offended, they start calling me a racist. They start saying to me that I don't know my history, when in fact they're afraid 
of looking at it and finding out that maybe the facts I'm saying are true, because then it would have to cause them to turn their point of view or else perpetuate a lie. I'll give you a, a case in point, okay? And I and, and since we're live around the air with ABC, I'm going to put this out there. We got 3.1 million listeners, okay? I have tried for the last five years, for five years, to get someone to come on the show mm-hmm. who is an anti-Columbus, you know, historian who can present us these facts, okay? I've, I've contacted every major one of these anti-Columbus groups that there's listed there in the country on, on, on Google, on Facebook, wherever. And my only criteria is when you come on the show, you know, you have to present facts that we can document, that we can go back and look at and make sure that your facts are true. You can't just present rhetoric. You can't just present opinion, okay? It's the same criteria that I, the first time I talked to you, Lou, remember I said, I want to have documented facts. I want to have stuff we can check so we know it's not just opinion or made up, but something that we have the facts for. Not one of these groups, not one of them, from across the entire United States, will come on the show. Not one of them can, can provide us an expert who can tell us, oh, yeah, here are the facts and here's our documentation. Not one of them. In fact, when I got into a conversation with one of them that was a, a Native American group, they said, well, we can't do that because then we're held to a we're held to the white man's criteria. That's not the Native American criteria. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The truth is the truth. And those people, in fact, are doing a great discredit to Native Americans because most Native Americans I know are honest, truthful people, and these people are trying to perpetuate a lie, and it's 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 disgracing. Let me take a spin-off from what you just said. There's two things. Number one, the problem of contextualization in historiography, the writing of history. Context is very important, and this is what they failed to do. I'll give you a perfect case in point. It says in his diary... You could take 50 uh, men of this of the natives, 50 of them, and you could subjugate them, and you could uh, do what you want. That's what he said. But nobody understands the context of that. When he met them, and it was a very cordial relationship, he actually pointed to the scars on their body, and he was like, you know, with hand gestures and verbs, some kind of simplified verbal communication. He inquired about this, and they kept pointing to these other islands. They kept pointing. And he came to the conclusion, based on a conversation, that there must have been some attempted enslavement. And it's, this, is in his, this is in his diary. Attempted enslavement, attempted invasions of these people that were subjugated to these people. And he learned, because of their generosity, their benevolence, uh, their temerity, they were also very timorous people, I should use, not temerity. But they were very timorous, fearful people that, you know what, he was speaking figuratively. You could take 50 of these people and subjugate them to do what they want. It was speaking figuratively. He wasn't documenting that. You see, we got an opportunity to enslave them. He was figuring out that what was going on before he got there was a situation that put these people in a very, very terrible circumstance because of the Carib Indians. And he learned it was the Caribs that were doing this kind of stuff. So, you know, we're we're, 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 we're So they'll shift out, they'll shift this stuff out. And they'll say, you see, here's the documentation. Exactly. And, and they do this all the time. They bring out of context. context. And here's another thing. You can say this to your Native American friends. They don't have the written word. They never did. Everything that they're relying on with their position about Indigenous Day is coming from white historians. 
because Carib Indians, natives and Tainos, all of them, had no written word. So they can't express their history from the written word. Therefore, they rely on these European historians as far as what happened to Columbus. Yeah, that's the we, we uh, Lou, we appreciate very much your being on the show. We have to go to commercial break now. Folks, if you'd like to hear more of this, please tune into our After Hours show because Lou Gallery to continue our discussion there. You can, go, you can go to WCIR.biz and click on the show for today's date, and uh, we'll have it up there for you uh, soon to uh, hear some more of this discussion. Meanwhile, we're going to take, take a quick break here and have a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back after the short message with some more West Coast Italian Radio on the ABC News & Talk Radio Network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In the mid-90s, I bought a piece of land in Austin with a credit card check and built the very first micro distillery in the history of the state of Texas. I'd never built a still before, so I did some research and designed and built my own pot stills based on Prohibition-era bust photos I found in the library. I didn't know then that this was kind of the start of the American craft distilling movement right here in Austin, Texas. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. we got to pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Cicernio said. All natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast. Cicernio sausage. Visit Cicernio.com for recipes or to find the store near you. This is Tony Lestello with the Italian Radio Show. Every day, 20 veterans take their own lives. That's 20 too many. You need help? Want to end veteran suicide? Go to SaveVetLives.org to learn more. Pacific Food Importers has been distributing Mediterranean food products in the greater Seattle area since 1971. Beginning as an olive import company, PFI has evolved into a well-known wholesale food distributor in the Pacific Northwest, servicing restaurants, grocers, manufacturers, and caterers. Family-owned and operated, PFI stocks a wide variety of cured meats, specialty cheeses from around the world, and a vast range of Mediterranean products. PFI's service area includes the greater Puget Sound region and Portland, Oregon. Situated in North Kent, PFI has a central location allowing for efficient service and delivery, as well as convenient will-call pickups for established customers in Seattle. Pacific Food Importers Incorporated is committed to providing quality products at competitive prices to the food service industry of the Pacific Northwest. Visit PacificFoodImporters.com for more information or to contact us. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. The owner of a local liquor store told me to forget the flavors, so I make only vodka-flavored vodka, smooth and gluten-free. 80-proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com
Folks, we're going to take a 10-second break to allow our affiliate stations across the country to give you their station identification. You're listening to West Coast Italian Radio. Broadcasting at KMET 1490 in Palm Springs, part of the ABC News and Talk radio network. So now, Marcy, it's time for us to do our Italian events. We have great Italian events uh, that are happening throughout the western United States. And before we get started, let's just tell all of our people that if you have an event out there that you would like to submit to us for our event calendar, please go to our website. Just remember the acronym for West Coast Italian Radio, WCIR, WCIR WCIR.biz, and go there. There's a link there to contact us, send us your event. Uh, You know, usually on the show we only have – Timer to cover a few events, but uh, it, we'll have a, a, a calendar up on our website that has all of the events, uh, both the large ones and the small ones across the country. So let's cover some of the major events going on right now. Uh, and a lot of these events, of course, are towards the end of the summer, being that we're just opening up now uh, from our COVID lockdowns. On Saturday and Sunday, August 21st and 22nd, the San Jose Italian Family Festa is going on, an absolute great event that takes place every year down the historic San Jose. Make sure you go down there and check out all the great things they're doing that weekend from the main stage, the great wines, the wine garden, and all the fun for family and culture uh, promoting the Italian uh, heritage and Italian culture. And then all those Italian Festivals are always good for all family, kids, absolutely, any age. So remember that it's not just for one, okay? It's absolutely. Not- now Sunday, September fifth, up in the state of Washington again, they have this great racetrack there, Emerald Downs, fantastic horse racing track. They're Hi. doing Italian Day at the races. Again, this is sponsored specifically by the West Coast Italian Radio. So if you come out to that event, you can meet your hosts there, both Marcia and I will be there all day long, meeting and greeting people. And, of course, we'll have the West Coast Italian Radio studio band, Tony Lestella and the Goombas, playing all afternoon down at the track side between races. Other activities include bocce, wine tasting, pizza eating contest, Italian dancers, a lot of fun for the family. And we're going to be giving away free tickets for this event starting in July, all summer long, so make sure you stay tuned in. I will try to thank you. I will start to say, and the Goombas are going to be there. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. The Goombas are always there. We always have a blast there. Okay, Friday, September 10th. Festa Italiana at the Fisherman's Festival down in Monterey, California. We love our Italian friends down in Monterey, California. Very active sons of Italy down there, a very active Italian community. You used to live down there, Marcia. You love San... I was to say that, oh, my heart is there. I love... all oh, California is beautiful. So make sure, folks, you check that out. It starts Friday, September 10th, goes till Tuesday, September 14th. The Monterey Festa Italiana Fisherman's Festival. Moving back up to the Northwest, we have two big festivals taking place in September. One of them is the San Gennaro Festival, taking place on from Friday, September 10th to Sunday, September 12th at the Casa Italiana Italian Cultural Center in Burien, Washington. And then we have the Biggie at the end of September from the 24th to the 26th of September, again, Friday through Sunday, 
Festa Italiana at Seattle Center. The big Italian festival been going on about 35 years there. One of the largest ones on the West Coast celebrating everything Italian. Moving on, and by the way, we will be at the Festa Italiana in Seattle. We'll have a booth there. We'll be sponsoring the big dance that night on the stage uh, and the Italian uh, talent presentation of all the different singers. Kind of a big jam with all the lead entertainers there. Saturday and Sunday... On October 2nd and 3rd, the Los Angeles Italian Festival takes place. That's the first weekend of October. Always a lot of fun with our Italian friends down in L.A. at Hollywood and Highland. Make sure you check that out. That's a great event. And we finish up the season out here out west with a biggie. The El Dorado Great Italian Festival taking place the second weekend of October, October 9th and 10th, at the El Dorado Hotel and Casino in Reno, Nevada. Folks, they literally closed down. All of downtown Reno, they make it a little Italy. It's absolutely fantastic. Great entertainment, Italian markets, Italian food booths, all kinds of fun all weekend long. Make sure you check it out. And there are your Italian events. And you know, Marcy, we need to remind people that you can listen to us 24-7. We have probably close to uh, seven years of shows in our archives. Just go again to our website, wcir.biz. Click there. Today's show is going to go right up when we're done, and you can listen to all of our shows. Share them with all your friends and family, because we have listeners all over the world, and we love people listening to us online. And, of course, our after-hour show is going to be coming out soon. Radio Italiano Lucerose, okay? That's going to... That's where we cover all the topics of today's show. But we're a little more racy and direct with how we feel about them. Of course we are, because we're Italian. We tell you what we really think. That's a hoot. It's for 18 years and over. It's uh, obviously by subscription only. Make sure you go to our website. Check that out. That's going to be coming out soon. We have a whole bunch of shows on there for you to listen to. And that's pretty much it, Marcy. I've had a great time, as always, doing the show with you. (laughs) We'll be back next week, folks, with a brand new show here with the Italian radio show, West Coast Italian Radio, on the ABC News and Talk Radio Network. God bless you all. A salute. Ciao a tutti.